Welcome to the Nutrition on a Mission podcast. I'm Dr. James Gieselman, and my co-host is Coach Drew Sands. And together, we bring some of the leading nutritional and healthcare providers, world-class athletes, and exercise and fitness influencers from across the country who incorporate nutrition in either their practices or day-to-day lives. Our guests share with you their stories of what led them to their passion for nutrition and how you can incorporate this into your life. Drew, how's it going? James, it's it's going really well. I mean, obviously, um, we're not recording in our you know usual space today, um, you know, due to the university working on some some Wi-Fi. So we're out of our offices for a little bit. So um, you may see yep. us switching back and forth between spaces, but uh, it's just kind of um, a little in, intel into why. Yep. It's all about adaptability, right? So um, it's definitely a new new place. Um, I feel like I could definitely get distracted over here. So I'm really glad that we're recording, you know, not with students around right now. So um, I could easily be distracted. So definitely. how's your week going? Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty good so far. You know, I can't complain. Um, mm-hmm. Except for the fact that, you know, my buddies steal my money and poker on the weekends. But other than that, I mean can't really complain right now you know over the weekend I had a little little minor accident myself and I'm really starting to feel my age today so you know it was really fitting that we have Dr. Mancini coming on because he's going to be able to talk about the whole anti-aging and and just you know that whole field and I really feel like I could use some anti-aging today. So yeah, hope, hopefully you can take a little something. Hopefully our listeners can take oh. take little bits and pieces from the episode today as well. Absolutely, you know. So I'm really excited about today's um, guest. I'm really excited for our listeners to be able to hear him. This is going to be man, probably the third or fourth time I've got to listen to Dr. Mancini. Um, you know, a couple times in person, and then a couple times I watched him recorded. Um, but I just am always blown away every time I have the opportunity to see him speak in person. Um, I'm blown away by his infectious positivity, all of his knowledge. So, Drew, would you introduce our listeners to Dr. Fabrizio Mancini? I sure will. Dr. Fabrizio Mancini is a renowned health and lifestyle expert with over 30 years of experience as a holistic health provider, author, and speaker. He has inspired audiences worldwide through his media appearances on shows like Dr. Phil, The Doctors, CNN News, and Fox News, as well as Univision, Telemundo, and Televisa. His engaging lectures have transformed audiences in most states and over 25 countries. Dr. Fab is an international best-selling author of books such as The Power of Self-Healing and Chicken Soup for the Chiropractic Soul. He is the host of his radio show with Hay House, Self-Healing with Dr. Fab, his podcast The Fab Life, and his TV series Thriving in the New Normal. Dr. Fab became one of the youngest presidents of a college or university at the age of 33, Parker University, and continues to serve as President Emeritus. He has received numerous awards and accolades for his contributions to the field of wellness and leadership and has been featured in many documentaries for his contributions in the healthcare and education systems. President of Mexico named the library of Uneve University after him. Dr. Fab's passion for health and personal development has inspired and empowered millions worldwide to unlock their full potential. He also mentors over 100 CEOs and serves a global consultant 
to companies that are making a positive impact on the world. Dr. Mancini, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Excited to be here with you. We're, we're really excited to uh, have you today. You know, we were telling the listeners before we hopped on that, um, you know, Drew and I both have, have had the chance to see you. You have such an infectious positivity to you. Uh, every time, I mean, there's no wonder you're an inspirational speaker. Like when you get done listening to one of your presentations, you just walk out of there feeling better about yourself. So for the listeners at home that may not be familiar with your work, can you tell them how you became a chiropractor and what led you into the health and wellness field? Well, uh, thank you for that. I had an experience that uh, led me into wanting to be a doctor. I had a dream after coming close to dying two weeks before. I had a dream revealed to me that I was going to be a doctor. I just didn't know what type of doctor. So I entered pre-med school. I got accepted at one of the best pre-med schools in the country. And then I was going to go to medical school to become a neurosurgeon. And six months before, uh, a guy rear-ends me after school really bad to end up in an emergency center, which is where I did a rotation. So I knew a lot of the doctors. The emergency room waiting time was four hours. So I just called one of my orthopedic surgeon friends that I have met during my rotation and said, look, can you just come down and see if you can speed it up? Or, and so he came down and said, look, I can give you anti-inflammatories. I can give you painkillers. It's obvious you have severe whiplash, but you really got to go see my chiropractor. He takes out his phone. He calls the chiropractor's office and says, I have a, a patient of mine that needs to be seen today. If you can squeeze him in. And the lady graciously uh, within two hours, I had an appointment. I go into that office and I thought chiropractic was a specialty of medicine. I never really known chiropractic. I never heard anybody go to chiropractor. Never even known that even existed. But I noticed something peculiar. I go into the reception area and I see a lot of people and many of these people are smiling and the, and the room was full, probably about 25 people in that waiting area. And I'm curious, right? I'm pre-med, I'm gonna go to medical school. Who are these people and why are they here? So I talked to the lady next to me and she says, well, I'm here because I have infertility problems and chiropractic is helping me have a better chance of being pregnant. I'm like, wow, did I, I mean, am I in the right specialty? Then the guy across from me says, oh, I'm here uh, because I wanna prevent a back surgery and chiropractor helped a friend of mine. So uh, he's helping me with my disherniation. And I'm like, they've gone from, you know, a reproductive uh, to orthopedic. And then the lady next to me, she says, I'm here because I have asthma and allergies ever since I moved to Dallas. The chiropractor is helping me make sure that I don't have that anymore. Well, they mentioned about seven specialties. And honestly, the thing I said to myself is, how can one provider help so many people? Because as you know, 95% of the medical doctors that graduate from school go into a specialty, 95%. That means that healthcare is all about specialty. So I go in and the doctor of chiropractic says, I see in the history form that you're starting to be pre-med, you're gonna go into becoming a neurosurgeon. Uh, let me tell you what chiropractic is. And this is what he said, and he changed my life. He said, chiropractic is about reminding you every day that your body it's a self-healing organism. Your body's constantly healing. You just have to take care of it because you only get one body. 
Number two, your body has organs and systems that actually are created to work with each other, but there's one system that supports all of them, and that's the nervous system. I see that you love the nervous system. The benefit in being a chiropractor is that I get to work with that system from the moment you're born to the moment you die. So I'm going to be giving you gentle adjustments that are going to help your nervous system be able to repair and recover, but also it's going to support other organs. Now I started thinking that's why he can help or she can help so many other types of cases. And then the last one is what did it for me. He says, in, med in medicine today, we spend most of our time managing symptoms. In our office, we're not going to do that. I'm going to spend most of my time trying to get to the root cause of the problem, whether it's your whiplash or any other issue that you're struggling with, and we're going to help you resolve that so it doesn't come back again and your body is able to heal it. And that's exactly what happened. Not only was I 90 to 100% improved after six weeks, but I used to get headaches. The headaches never came back. I used to get uh, allergies, hives. They never came back. I used to have digestive problems. They never happen again. And that's when I realized the world of prevention is where I wanted to play. And I look at chiropractic as prevention more than um, acute care. I look at chiropractic as the foundation of what our bodies are capable of doing without the introduction of surgery or medicine. Um, and then we can use those things as we need to uh, if there is no other recourse. Uh, but that's why I spent the last 30 plus years of my life in that space. And I, I love every minute of it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, that's a that's a great story. You know, I, I think a lot of people have probably have similar you know, chiropractic stories, you know, they found a chiropractor and, you know, that's kind of what led them into chiropractic, you know, kind of sticking on, you know, what led you into chiropractic. I want to go even further. What led you into wanting to run a university? You know, what, what led you into wanting to, you know, become the president and what are, what are some of your biggest takeaways from your time being a president of a university? Well, that is even a, a more interesting story because I was a student and Dr. Parker, our founder and one of the leaders in chiropractic, chose to mentor me as a young student. I became, I became a speaker at Parker Seminars after my first trimester, I mean, within my first trimester at Parker. They never had a student speaker before. Um, and then I created the student program and that grew to be huge, uh, where students all over the United States will come to Parker to learn how to be more successful. So when I graduated, I became very successful from day one. And uh, the board asked me to, uh, the, the school asked me to be on their board. So they gave me all the top awards of the school, uh, most success by any alumni, most money given back to the school by any alumni, most referral of students by any alumni, etc. So for six years, I served as a board and uh, Dr. Parker always used to tell me during that time that he wanted me to be the next president of Parker, but I knew that he only got paid a dollar a year because he never took money from the school. He gave money to the school. So I'm like, I'm not going to go and get into debt to be a chiropractor to get a dollar a year. I'll do it when I'm 60 and I'll do it as philanthropy, as giving back. And like he did. And uh, well, anyways, fast forward the clock, Dr. Parker passes on. They called, the board asked me to serve in that capacity, and I said, no, I'm only 31 years old. I have a huge practice. I have doctors working with me. Uh, I don't want to do that right now. Uh, 
uh, and we were going through a very difficult time at that time. And then uh, about a year and a half later, they couldn't find the right person to replace Dr. Parker. They tried his son and that didn't work out for a year, year and two months. Uh, so then they called me back and said, look, I know you don't want to do it. We've interviewed about 60 applicants, but one of our board members wants to interview you to see which one of those applicants makes the most sense. And that's what happened. After that two-hour interview, Friday, on Monday morning, the chairman of the board said, thank you for meeting with Mr. Brandt, the chairman of the nominating committee. Uh, and I said, oh, did it help? Uh, he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. He said, there's only one person that can do the job. And I said, great, who is it? And he said, it's you. And he told me not to let you off the phone until you say yes. So I said, look, Rob, I don't want to do this. And he said, well, what is it going to take? And then I did something that I thought it was very stupid. I said, if it's unanimous by the board. I knew that would never happen because the board was not working as one. I, three board members had applied for that position. I knew that the other people had lobbied those board members to vote for them. So that would never happen. That was Monday, Wednesday morning, nine o'clock. Uh, we have all the board members on the phone. We just had an emergency meeting. We voted you in as the next president. Can you be there Monday morning? No, wow. no discussion of salary. I knew they couldn't afford me. No discussion of time frame. no discussion of anything. Can you be there Monday morning? And I go there Monday morning. I knew we have a lot of problems. We had over 400 students that had applied to transfer from Parker, which would have left us with less than 50 students. So we would have had to close down and bankrupt, right? We were already losing money mm -hmm. uh, and we had a lot of debt out there. And uh, so I started going to work. I saved most of the students, only two transfer out of the 400. Uh, I told people, give me a break. Give me an opportunity to show you what I can do. Uh, mm -hmm. And six months later, my accountant calls me and says, hey, Fab, have you looked at your numbers? And I said, no. He said, well, your income has dropped 50% from your practice. I said, you got two options. Either you sell your practice or you tell the board that you can no longer be president. So I came home, prayed about it, talked to my wife about it. And I realized that I needed to finish the work that I had started because that school was very important, not only for the legacy of Dr. Parker, but for the chiropractic itself. And it's my alma mater. I couldn't afford to go out of business. And uh, I sold my practice within two weeks and I went full time and I was there for 13 and a half years. So it wasn't something I wanted. It was something I became very good at it. And the takeaways is that the foundation of school is what sets the the, the opportunity for a doctor of chiropractic to see what the potential really is. Either a school can give you and feed you the information to say, you can be one of the most successful people out in society. Like many of my clients, I mentor some of the biggest practices in chiropractic. I have chiropractors making two, five, up to $25 million. There's a chiropractor out there that just made $150 million last year as a doctor of chiropractic with 28 clinics. And that's what I envision for chiropractors. I envision a doctor, a provider that is providing so much value for society that that value, there's an exchange. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and I've just been very blessed because that position really taught me so much about our profession, uh, the demand in the public, uh, where is our science? What is it that we can truly claim that we actually can prove 
and what is it that the things that we still need to investigate and see how that works, et cetera. So that's the takeaways that I got from being president. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So for the new practitioners out there that might be listening, you know, you know, cause I, I had classmates myself, you know, I graduated in 2015. Um, and, you know, I know several of my classmates who were struggling and, and still struggle, you know, seven, eight years later. So whether it's a nutrition side, whether it's the chiropractic side, or whether it's even a different profession altogether for those listening, you know, what is something that practitioners can do, especially those that might be struggling in their career? What advice do you give to them? Well, the first advice is like right now, there is a group out there called Cairo Matchmakers, and they have uh, over a thousand chiropractic jobs available and not enough chiropractors to fill them. And most of them are paying six figures. Most people don't know that. There are, they are many successful doctors that are hiring. There's other entities out there that are hiring chiropractors and putting them in their corporations, etc. So the first thing that I would do is don't ever undervalue yourself because whenever you let others determine your own value, you're going to be disappointed. So make sure that you understand that you made a sacrifice of an average of seven to eight years to become a doctor of chiropractic, that you spend a considerable amount of money through borrowing money to become a doctor of chiropractic and sacrifice a lot of your personal time from your family and friends and loved ones because as you know, our schools went from early morning mm -hmm. to late at night and it was nonstop right. three and a half years. So the main thing is to understand your value. Then the second thing that I would do is look at society and look at what's happening out there. And there couldn't be a better time to be a doctor of chiropractic. Why? Because even in the world of pain, right? We have the obvious crisis, which is failing miserable in supporting pain patients, which we become the number one option for them when they don't want to have to take those medications. So that space is amazing. Another space that is really important is obesity. Over 80% of Americans now are overweight or obese. Now that space is one that we can teach people behaviors that can help you not only reduce that weight, but also maintaining your healthy spine, etc. So I find that the best advice that I can give you is know your value but also know your value in chiropractic. I mean, I've studied the history of chiropractic. I wanted to know why some of our pioneers were willing to go to jail just so they can do what they do, right? What makes somebody do that? Out of 100 students graduating today, how many of them do you think will go to jail if they chose to practice chiropractic in that state? I would tell you right now, it would be less than five. Why? Because that commitment, that conviction is missing out there. You know, we got to be committed to our community. We have been given something very special that helps over 80% of the people that come into chiropractic. Those are our national statistics, right? Medicine has a track record of 27% success. You can put a drug in the market. That's what the FDA requires, only 27% success. And that doesn't include all the side effects that will come with it. We hardly have any side effects, right? We have one of the lowest malpractice insurances in the world especially in the United States as a provider, and 80% of our patients get well. Um, so I think we need to understand our value. We need to understand our science. Uh, 
but we also have to communicate in a simple way, in a brief way, and also in a relevant way. So let's take nutrition, for instance. I often told doctors of chiropractic that the chiropractic language is not one that you're going to resonate with the majority of the people because only 15 to 20%, according to the studies that Palmer did, have actually been to a chiropractic. That means that two out of eight people, uh, two out of 10 people that you meet every day have ever been to a chiropractor, two out of 10. So our market share is huge, it's 80%. The problem is we wanna go in there and say, oh my God, you know, I, I wanna give you an adjustment, which they don't know what that means. I'm a chiropractor, they don't know what that means. I'm gonna help you with your nervous system, they don't know what that means, etc." So one of the things that I discovered early on in my career is maybe the chiropractic language is not the love language or the best language, but nutrition is. Nutrition is an easy language that the majority of the people can relate to because they have to eat. And anytime they eat something, they're already part of nutrition, right? That's how they think. They think of nutrition, food first, and then they think of nutrition, supplements second. So now you're going to say, look, I know you're not able to hit as good as you want to, because we know that's the majority of the people. But what if I was to able to recommend to you some ingredients that your body desperately needs to help you lower that inflammation, help you give you that energy that you're lacking, help you be able to support that liver or that pancreas or that digestive system, or even that brain right now. Um, and that's how you begin the communication. But then after you get them into that mode, now you can say, look, these things that I just supported you with are wonderful, but there has to be a distribution mechanism. And that happens through the nervous system, which controls your circulatory system. So when you take this supplement, we're going to be able to support you through a chiropractic adjustment that's going to ensure that your brain and your nervous system is working the best that it can be. So your circulatory system can take these nutrients as a distribution system into every cell in the body that needs it and therefore you can have a much better outcome clinically. Does that make sense to you, Mrs. Jones? And that's how you tie in the two, right? Because why would you wanna have one system without the other one? You need that distribution system, and that's what I think we do every day. We support the distribution system to make sure that the cells get the right nutrients, et cetera, that the body really needs. Yeah, I feel like that's, you know, super insightful information, especially for, you know, the practitioners that are listening. Um, Kind of want to switch gears a little bit and go into, you know, that nutrition, that some of those lifestyle changes. What do you feel are some lasting lifestyle changes that our listeners or can can do or our practitioners can recommend that um, are going to be sustainable, you know, for the rest of their lives? So I'll give you I'm going to answer that in two parts. So in my last book, The Power of Self-Healing, which became number one in 12 countries, I'm still lecturing on it, and it's been 10 years. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, still selling as much as it sold 10 years ago. In that book, I showed that there were three main objectives that the science has proven for you to change your lifestyle. The first one is nutrition. What we feed our bodies makes a huge difference in what output your body can give you. And I give people the analogy of this. If anybody out there, especially men, love high-performance cars, let's take a Lamborghini, for instance, which is one of the highest-performance cars out there, and you're going to put gas in that car, and the flap opens, and you read it, and what does it say? you got to put the highest 
possible gas that you can put in there, right? In order for that engine to run properly, you're not going to buy a $350,000 car and put the cheap oil and put the cheap gas. You're not going to do that because you're going to break that car down. So then I said, well, think of it like this. What about every time you open your mouth, it's the flap of your gas. And every time you open your mouth, imagine that says more vegetables, less refined foods, less sugar, you know, more organic. If you think like that, now you can begin to recognize that this high performance body that we've been given, which we only get one, because even if I don't take care of my Lamborghini, I can always trade it in for something else. I can always sell it. I can always do something. This is only I get one for the rest of my life. And now that we're living longer, we better take care of it now because we're going to pay the price later. So that's how I kind of explain it. So in nutrition, I also recommend intermittent fasting. I only I tell people, look, the New England Journal of Medicine has proven that you have to eat healthy. But if you can manage that eating within a period of six to eight hours, you have a better opportunity for your body to perform and reverse the clock and anti-aging than anything else. So that's one thing that I wrote about as a healthy habit. Good nutrition, keep it to a certain amount of time during the day. The second one was exercise, which everybody knows that, right? Nutrition and exercise, two of the biggest things, lifestyle that we can change. But what did we find in exercise? That interval training is the most effective exercise you can do. And interval training is less than 20 minutes that you can do, but you're going to go fast, whether it's running, bicycle, whether it's weight, you're going to go fast for a minute. Sometimes people will do two minutes, but start with a minute and then you're going to rest one minute and then you're going to go fast for a minute and then you're going to rest for a minute. And you do that at least five to seven times and you do that. And those are the professional athletes and Olympic champions. That's the way they work out because it's the fastest way to get lean and to be able to help your body with all the exercise benefits. And the last one that we found is that there may be people listening right now that may not have a holistic provider in their team of doctors. And right now, the biggest challenge is that 80% of medicine and healthcare is geared towards only giving you one solution, and that's medicine or surgery. When we find out that 90% of our chronic illnesses, right, 90% of all of our illnesses are chronic illnesses, and those Chronic illnesses do not respond as well to medicine and surgery for a solution. Their lifestyle changes where nutrition can be hugely different. Chiropractic care can be hugely different and others. So make sure that you add a holistic provider, chiropractor, acupuncture, homeopath, naturopath, add a holistic provider to your team and always get a second opinion from a holistic provider and not another traditional provider. Otherwise, you're going to get the same diagnosis and the same treatment plan. So that's the way I'll answer that. The second thing that I'll answer is I want to give you the six conditions that during the pandemic, I do television, right? So I have to talk about all of these conditions in the doctors, the Dr. Phil show and also Fox News for the last 12 years. I've been doing that. And there are six conditions right now that if you really want to pay attention to, and I think nutrition is a huge benefit for this, is lack of energy. Whether you got the virus or not, most people have claimed that their energy has dropped tremendously since the virus began. The second one is lack of sleep. Over 100 million Americans cannot sleep at night since the virus. It's grown even more. The third one is 
weight, weight control. The average American gained 20 pounds during the pandemic, and that's why our obesity problems have gotten even worse. Then the fourth one is immune support, right? We've been telling people that high doses of vitamin C, zinc, and vitamin D3, but where do you find those? So make sure that you have a good opportunity for people to support their immune system, especially during these times, because there will be other virus. I mean, they're still talking about corona, but there will be more viruses coming our way. Keep your immune system as healthy as possible. The other one was brain health. The percentages of Alzheimer's, dementia, cognitive decline continue to rise during the pandemic. And now we're seeing dementia and Alzheimer's on kids that are 20 and 30 years old, never seen before. So we need to feed our minds fish oils and anti-inflammatory agents that can help that brain be able to function properly because there's so much inflammation going on in the world because of the sugar intake that we have, because of the stress levels that we have, because of so many factors that people uh, have to pay attention to. And the last one is pain, you know, especially joint pain with arthritis and many other conditions like that. We need to make sure that we can support that in a more holistic way. So if you focus on those six conditions, that's the highest demand right now for nutrition. If you have any of those products in your office, you're going to do very well in, in selling them and promoting them because most of us, unfortunately, like I consulted for Metagenics for two years, so I got deep, deep into nutrition. But the problem that I told Metagenics is that you're trying to sell nutrition to doctors that only got eight hours or so of nutrition in school. They haven't gotten certified. They haven't got a diploma on it. They don't have a master's on it. So they don't even understand what you're talking about with all your science. And then take that to the consumer. You can't go and try to sell an ingredient only. Nutrition is better to be sold through conditions rather than to ingredients by themselves. But right now, what is it? You, you sell turmeric, right? Which I love turmeric and I take turmeric, but I don't take it as an individual. I take it as a group, you know, where I can make sure that I'm getting enough turmeric in my chromium, you know, to balance you your glucose levels. Imagine the power of that with all the glucose going crazy out there uh, with the sugar intake that people are having. So those six conditions will give you a good guideline as to how you can bring them into your office and then be able to support them nutritionally and then be able to introduce them the value of chiropractic care as a distribution of those nutrients that you're putting in your body. And I think it will do extremely well. Yeah. So some of our listeners, you know, I'm, I'm sure they can relate to those conditions and I'm sure our practitioners can relate to those conditions, but to fully understand, you know, how that impact is, let's talk about the whole big picture of healthcare. You know, I, I was reading somewhere where, um, bankruptcies, you know, across the United States, 50% of those bankruptcies were healthcare related. I mean, we're talking more than just, oh, wake up and feel better in the morning. This has economic impacts across the country. Right. Well, like, can you talk about how that lifestyle right. and nutrition really benefits that? Well, the statistics are worse than that. So I've been following this because I have to report on them. So over the last five years, five years, the number one reason for over 50, it's actually more close to 70 now, reason why people go into personal bankruptcy is because of a health issue. The challenge is that over 80% of those people have health insurance. See, this is a, this is a big shift that people need to understand. 
just because I buy $800, $1,200 a month of health insurance doesn't mean I'm going to be healthy, right? It doesn't mean that at all. I buy catastrophic health because I put my investment in what I do every day, not the chances that I'm going to have heart condition, cancer, uh, diabetes, uh, arthritis, etc. right? So I invest in every day. And in fact, I tell people today, what is the secret of being healthy? It's making a better choice today than you made yesterday, right? And nutrition is a big portion of it, but other lifestyles like exercise, mindset, all of those things matter. So the economic impact is huge on a personal level. But now let's go a little bit further because remember, I was president of Parker. We had over 400 employees. We were self-insured, right? All it took is one or two people in my, in my, in my 400 employees to get a heart disease or cancer, and it will be over a million dollars that year that I had to find in my, in, in my budget. If I had two, that's $2 million additional that we budgeted for because we bought an insurance policy that over a million, then the insurance will pay for that. But we had to pay the first million. So imagine how many companies have become self-insured since the health insurance cost has become the number one cost for corporate America. Number one cost. In fact, they sell that Starbucks pays more for health insurance than they do for the coffee that they sell their employee, uh, their customers. Really? Because the healthcare cost keeps rising two to three percent every year for these companies. Some companies four percent, some companies five percent. But if you had every single year a big portion of your budget go into healthcare, and you know that that was going to escalate up, you start getting worried because that can actually bankrupt your company. And that's what's happening to the United States and many other countries. Healthcare has become one of the biggest liabilities in the budgets that we do for our countries. I've lectured in over seven countries about healthcare systems, talking to them about how to go more preventative and more proactive instead of the opposite. And that's the solution financially. If we can prevent diabetes from ever happening, it's far more cost effective than managing diabetes for the rest of their lives. If we can prevent heart disease, it's far more cost effective for a company, for an individual, and for a nation than it is to manage heart disease for the rest of their lives. And that's how we're going to actually be able to shift the finances of healthcare around the world. Prevention is definitely key. Yeah, and that's that's right where I was going to go. Um, should you know, companies, you know, practitioners should should we be pushing preventative care instead of you know, maintenance to, you know, a problem already pre-existing? Yes. So let me tell you some of the things that some of the top Fortune 50 companies are doing right now. Many of these companies have realized that the healthcare costs were going so high. So what they're doing right now is that they're having their pay, their employees go through a baseline genetics testing. So there's two types of testings you can do in genetics that are very attractive today. The first one is they have a genetic testing in which you can actually evaluate any drug interaction, whether it's meant for you or not for you. You only do it once in your lifetime. I did it about four years ago. And I take that to my health provider. And if they ever recommend any drug to me, then I give them that and they can determine whether that drug is going to have a positive or negative effect in my body. And that's going to reduce all of these side effects that are actually costing tremendous amount 
of lives. Like right now, one of my closest friends retired. He was the CEO of Xerox. Remember the printing company Xerox a long time ago? Very wealthy man, married a very young woman uh, for his second marriage. And all of a sudden, he went to his doctor. He's 72 years old. And they got an antibiotic shot. The guy has not been able to leave his bed. They can't figure out what happened. The reaction of that antibiotic shot has cost him the quality of his life by over 90%. He can't travel. He can't do anything. And he's got all this retirement money. He can enjoy life. He was one of the most active neighbors that I had, you know? So I think it's important to, to recognize that the, the, the genetic component, and then the second genetic component is what are the predispositions that you have and what are the lifestyles that you can adapt in your life that will help you make sure that that genetic predisposition never shows up? Because genetic predispositions is about, based on scientists, uh, I know Bruce Lipton talks about 10 to 15%. 10 to 15% of potential cancer in your history, 10 to 15% of potential diabetes or heart disease. But epigenetics, which is the lifestyle, can actually counteract that so those things never turn on. And that's really the lesson that why a lifestyle is so important for people to reverse the potential or probability that they will have in developing a condition that's been in their history. So those genetic testings now give us that information, which is going to help a tremendous a lot of people prevent illness in the future. Wow. It's fascinating. Um, it is fascinating, you know, just thinking like the, the epigenetics is something that's been brought up several times on the podcast. You know, our guests are really focusing on that um, as being kind of the, the new forefront, like when we talk nutrigenomics and nutrigenetics and, uh, you know, what we eat, because we, we say it probably every podcast, but what we eat really matters. Um, and, and, you know, something else that I've been seeing a lot more is about neuroplasticity, right? The whole idea, you know the our mindset actually plays a role in this Huge. so can you t- can you talk a little bit about neuroplasticity because i'm sure some of our listeners are probably thinking i just learned a new word today so the beautiful thing about the development of neuroscience has shifted so much that was my passion that's why i wanted to be a neurosurgeon and then that led me to chiropractic which i have been so grateful that my life went into a more holistic perspective because that has opened up doors for me that even at 57, I keep reversing the clock every single year. I feel better than I felt when I was 20. My spine is completely regenerated that if you compare 1987, when I took my first full spine when I entered Parker, to 19, I mean, with 2023, you put them side by side and you would think they were opposite because no curvatures, issues, no degeneration issues. All of my discs are just as healthy as if I was 20 years old. Etc. So your body regenerates. And that's one of the biggest growth in medicine right now. It's called regenerative medicine. We're learning now that not only the brain regenerates with neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is very simple. The way I, I define it is now we know through electron microscope and many others that what you think really matters. And what you think is what begins the process of what we build in our brain, which is synopsis. And they're like little trees that you can do. So some people call it belief systems. So if I'm a negative person by nature, those belief systems can be very detrimental to my body. 
not only because it changes the chemistry of my body, but it also changes my behavior because I'm not going to be doing or motivated or inspired to do something constructive or better for me. So right now, uh, neuroplasticity says that our bodies have the ability to adapt to any circumstances that we're given. So now that we can study that, we can see that when you put a positive behavior, let's talk about meditation, prayer, visualization, you can actually change the, neuro the neurology and the neurons and the pathways uh, and the brain functionality through the testing that we do today. We didn't have that sophisticated testing in the past. So what I tell people is this, there's two factors that would impact your health. The first one is always your mindset. How I look at my health makes a difference. Do I believe that my body can heal anything or do I believe that I am uh, a prisoner or a victim to my condition? This is a big question to ask people. Most people, when they get a diagnosis, they become victimized because they're told you're gonna to have to learn to live that for the rest of your life. You're gonna to have to take this pill for the rest of your life. You're gonna to have to do this and not do that for the rest of your life. I don't believe in that. I have seen miracles after miracles, you know, just even with just chiropractic and then you add chiropractic and nutrition and that is just the, the best winning combination there is in my opinion. So mindset, I find to be around 20% of your success rate, but it has to start with your mindset. So whatever it is, let's say you have a condition, begin to look at that condition as a positive thing in your life. Why do I have high blood pressure? Maybe I need to evaluate the stress levels in my life. Is it my personal relationships? Is it my finances? Is it my job, right? According to latest studies, over 70% of Americans dislike or are not engaged in their work. So they're getting paid not to give you what they're expecting from them. Why would you want to work in a place like that? Why not work in somewhere that you're passionate about, excited about? You know, you wake up every morning wanting to just can't wait to deliver that value to all your customers, right? So anyways, 20% is mindset. Now, with the right mindset, how you think about your illness, then makes the decision of what you're going to do about it. See, if I think I'm a victim of my illness, I'll never forget this. Bernie Siegel was the number one oncologist in the 80s and 90s in the whole world. He was getting success on cancer patients that no one else was getting. So I, he was a good friend of Dr. Parker, and I got to sit down with him early on as a student. And I asked Bernie, what's the secret to your success? Why are you succeeding in somewhere that nobody else is? And this is what he said to me. There are three factors that I look for in every patient that we take. Number one, how much does the patient believe in the treatment that they selected? It doesn't matter whether it's microbiotic diet, chiropractic care, acupuncture, uh, chemotherapy. They have to believe that treatment is going to help them. Number two, how much do they believe in the provider that's delivering that treatment? Right? They have to believe that that provider was designed specifically for them to help them. And number three, and he said the most importantly, they have to believe that the body can heal the cancer. He says... If those people, if I check all three, the chances of that person going into remission were over 80%, according to his statistics. And I said, you mean to tell me that after all these years of studying, that is a belief system that's determining that we get well or not well from the biggest condition that we're trying to eradicate, especially in the 80s and 90s? And that's what I learned from him. 
So your mindset is critical, critical as a beginning step. Now with the right mindset, what am I going to do different? What can I do? How can I change my lifestyle? Do I improve my relationship? Do I try to figure out a better way for my economic background? How do I decrease the stress that is causing my cortisol levels, the stress hormone to go out of craziness every single day? And that's how you begin to formulate a plan that would allow you to reverse, you know, whatever condition you're going through, or at least put it in remission. Yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, fascinating information. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, for our listeners out there, what would you say is, you know, the first step? I'm sure it's a lot, you know, hearing this, you know, all these different things that, you know, potentially could help you. Yeah. What's the first step? Is mindset the first step? Is the lifestyle change? You know, what is it? Yeah. So the way that I do, so I have a hundred CEOs that I mentor, right? And like one of my CEOs pays me a crazy amount of money just to keep him healthy at 51 because he runs a hundred companies and he can be down, you know? So the way that I start with everybody is what I learned from my dear friend, Stephen Covey, that wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of those habits is begin with the end in mind. So if you were my patient, I would say, okay, Drew, I want you to write down what your ideal self, your ideal health in your opinion is. What do you want to see yourself in the future? How long do you think you're gonna live? What kind of lifestyle do you think you wanna have at that age? What is it that you want to be able to do during that time that you feel right now, maybe you're questioning, but let's do it on an ideal basis, right? So one of my other clients is Jeff Gladden. He is he's a cardiovascular surgeon. He's considered the, the, uh, the father of longevity. So when I talked to Jeff, right, he devised this whole system of 12 steps on how to live longer. But I said, you know, Jeff, what I learned it's not about just living longer, but what's my quality of life? Because we have data to show that after we turn 35 to 40, our quality of health drops significantly. After 50, it's even going on. And then if you're lucky to go past 75, most Americans are taking somewhere between seven and eight pills just to make it through the day after 75. That's ridiculous. I'm env- I already wrote my 100-year birthday speech. I'm 57, but I know I feel younger today, mindset and body than anything uh, that I've ever experienced in my life. So I begin with the end in mind, and then we reverse engineer what is it that we're trying to accomplish. So, right? So then I ask three questions. The first question is, what could I do today to be able to achieve that? And you start by putting that. The second question is, what am I doing today that is limiting or will prevent me from ever achieving that. This is a good one, you know, because most of us do not have good habits. You know, uh, I don't rest enough. I don't sleep enough. I don't give myself enough of a break. Uh, I don't do any mental work in my body. I don't do any spiritual work, et cetera, et cetera. So what is preventing me or what is right now for me to ever achieve that, right? And then the last question, that I believe that is, is very critical. Once you find out what can you do today, because all that matters is this moment. You can't control the past, so stop beating yourself up for what you did in the past. It doesn't help, right? 
what happened happened now what you can do today hopefully will be better than what you did yesterday that will give you a better tomorrow the second thing is what can i evaluate right so take a note of all the things you do from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and try to identify habits or rituals that are keeping you from being the healthiest that you can be so that's number two and then the last one is what would i do once i achieve it to serve others you see i have found that the biggest motivators in life is not ourselves you know i found that in finances right there's people that say to me man once i start making a million dollars a year i'm set why are you stopping at a million dollars when there's other people making five, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, whatever, right? It's a limiting belief. But what I learned is that as long as you keep yourself open, whenever you put your resources, your health for the benefit of others, that's a bigger motivator than your own benefit. So for instance, many of my patients, if they're in their 50s and 70s, they would say, I want to be healthy because I want to enjoy my great-grandchildren and my grandchildren. I want to be able to hike with them. I want to be able to boat with them. I want to be able to do all kinds of things with them. I want to be healthy because I want to be able to give away my daughter and be able to get away from all this back pain that I have. And I, I want to be healthy because, you know, she just got born. And in the next 20 years or 25 years, I want to be healthy enough that I'm going to walk her down the aisle. That was what's important to them. So anytime you think about a benefit to somebody other than yourself, you tend to achieve that goal much faster. And that's one of the secrets I found in my own development as to what will motivate me to go and be as uncomfortable as I can be and learn to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because that's the secret to life. Learn to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because you don't grow in comfort, right? Right now, if you're finding yourself hearing me as being a little bit inspired, you know, you may say to yourself, yeah, that sounds all good, but then tomorrow you won't change anything. All I'm asking you to do is take one little step, one thing that you, makes you uncomfortable. You know what? I'm going to give up my soda for one day. I'm going to give up my sugar coffee for one day. I'm going to give up my energy drinks for one day. I'm going to give up my pizza for one day. And do it one day at a time because that's all you can control this moment. Don't be so worried about tomorrow and the next week and the next month. One day. Make good decisions today. That's all you can control. And if you do that, all of a sudden you prove to yourself like, wow, I can do this, right? I can do this. I want to do it again tomorrow because it felt good. And then this is the secret that most people don't understand. Our bodies are adaptive beings. Whatever habits you give it is going to demand more of that. Even if you're not eating healthy right now, once you begin to eat healthier, your body will crave the healthy foods. You won't crave the sugars like you're craving. You won't crave the carbs like you're craving. You won't crave all the stuff that, all the alcohol. I mean, that's a big issue right now, right? The inflammatory processes that come from alcohol because the con consumption of alcohol went up 50% during the pandemic, 50%. And we're already a drinking society, but can you imagine 50% in three years? That's a lot of inflammation out there. That's all I see, right? You can see it in people's bodies, right? You can see the inflammation in their skins, the pudginess the, and all of that. So anyway, so those will be my suggestions that I think that people can maybe consider. That's all really great. You know, I, I do believe, and I think I've heard you talk about it before, that we are our greatest investment. 
like our bodies. So, you know, really making those changes. And, and honestly, that's why Drew and I, um, you know, decided to, to start the podcast to begin yeah. with. And, and I was joking with him the other day, like you're talking about the cravings and, um, you know, I've already changed a few things in my lifestyle. Um, I, I joked with Drew, I said, you know, I think this podcast is going to be more for us than it is for anybody else. Like if you no one else is. listens, I feel like I have already made changes in my lifestyle that I probably never would have. So um, we really appreciate you coming on today. We, you know, it's like I said, every time I get to hear you talk, I just feel more positive. Um, I feel like I can accomplish anything. I love it. Um, you mentioned your book. Where can where can listeners find that or where should they go to learn more about you? Well, if you go to my website, drfabmancini.com, you know, D-R-F-A-B-M-A-N-C-I-N-I.com. From there, you can go anywhere that I'm at. You can see my schedule of events, where I'm going to be speaking. You can see all my social media, you know, from Instagram to Facebook to TikTok and everything. You can see, um, you can actually uh, receive, I do a video newsletter every month because I learned that most people are video driven. So I do like a two or three minute video every month. And I give people some wonderful resources of how to live the ultimate potential in their life and their health, uh, which are the two areas that primarily I focus on. Uh, so my website is really the best source because from there you can communicate with me. You can do whatever you need to do and, and benefit from the YouTube channels, which I have hundreds of YouTubes that are so beneficial, etc. Yeah, I mean, again, thank you for, you know, joining us. You know, it was really insightful and, you know, hopefully our listeners can, you know, take at least one thing away from, you know, you speaking today. And if not, you know, probably 20 things. Well, I want to thank you guys for doing this, not only for us providers, but also for consumers, because um, nutrition is by far one of the top three things that if you just change a little bit, it can alter the rest of your body in so many ways. Uh, and all it takes is just the effort, you know, the desire to want to have a transformation and a change in your life and the discipline to just do it slowly. You don't have to take big steps all at once. You can take little steps, but be consistent. Be consistent. Don't just stop. Be consistent. Do a little bit every day until you feel comfortable and you'll find that all of a sudden you find yourself a few months later, a few weeks later, a whole different person. You know, I, I have one of my clients that his wife got diagnosed with a brain issue. And even though he's one of the wealthiest guys in Dallas, uh, he started, he was overweight. His son was overweight. And I went to his office last week because he wanted to talk to me. And I see all this nutrition in his counter and he looked like he was selling nutrition. And I'm like, oh, are you representing somebody? And he said, no, that's what I just ordered for my, my family, all of my employees. I just decided to buy it for everybody that works with me. And it was in the reception area, all this nutrition that the employees goes there and they don't have to pay for it because he realized that when he did that for himself and his wife, their life changed completely. He lost over 50 pounds in two months. He is now feeling better than ever. And he's become a nutrition advocate in a short amount of time, even though he's a business guy, right? Mm -hmm. But he's investing in him, his family and his employees. And I thought that said it all. Because once you realize the value of nutrition, you want to share it with everybody that you know. Absolutely. 
Well, Dr. Fab, thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you taking it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me and God bless. Before we wrap up, we want to take a minute to talk about the Council on Nutrition. I've been a member of the Council for five years now, and we've actually been published in their peer-reviewed journal, Nutritional Perspectives. The symposium that they put on is one of my favorite things to attend each year, and it's a great asset for getting my continuing education credits, meeting other professionals, and it's great for students and new practitioners like Drew. The Council on Nutrition is available to everybody from practitioners to our listeners and patients. You can find more information about joining and getting access to the annual symposium, publications, events, and more at www.councilonnutrition.com. This episode has also been brought to you in part by Iowa Performance Institute. Are you tired of wondering what foods you should be eating or what supplements you should be taking? At Iowa Performance Institute, we know that nutrition is about more than just counting calories. That is why we offer nutritional services designed to help you on your journey to achieving optimal health and wellness. Our team of experts create a personalized plan that is tailored to your needs. Whether you're looking to improve athletic performance or just want to feel better in your everyday life, we have the knowledge and experience to help you succeed. Invest in your health and schedule your free consultation today at performanceiowa.com. Listeners to this podcast can take an additional 10% off of supplements at Fullscript by clicking the link in the show notes. Wow, James. I mean, that's the second time I've heard Dr. Mancini speak, and I think that each time I've had so many great takeaways from the interactions. Oh, no doubt. You know, whenever I'm done listening to Dr. Mancini, I truly feel like I can accomplish anything. So what was your biggest takeaway from today's episode? Yeah, really, my biggest takeaway from the episode was how he talked about mindset. You know, mindset being key to taking down chronic disease, um, you know, mindset being you know, key in, in you know, all aspects of, of life. And I think that so many people just want like the magic pill or the solution to make the, you know, process of overcoming chronic disease easy. But I feel like mindset is actually what makes that process easier. Oh, definitely. You know, the, the neuroplasticity is a huge topic. Um, mindset plays a big role in, you know, how people are going to respond to the treatment. We, we definitely are a society of, uh, quick fixes, even though a lot of our conditions are chronic, you know, they were not quick fixes. You know, for me, I think the biggest takeaway was the fact that we really only have one body. Um, so we truly are our best investment, you know, whether that's in career, what, what we do for education or all the way down to nutrition. Um, we have to be willing to take care of ourselves before we can take care of others. So if you want to learn more about any of the products or resources mentioned in today's podcast, please make sure you check out the show notes for links. Drew, I hope you have a great week. Looking forward to the uh, next recording. Oh, me too. For everyone at home, remember new podcast episodes will be released weekly and will drop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more every Monday. A special behind the scenes clip shared on our social media channels throughout the week. We appreciate everyone tuning in today. This has been the Nutrition on a Mission podcast, a podcast from the ACA Council on Nutrition. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Nutrition on a Mission Pod and follow Drew and I at Iowa Performance Institute for updates on our guest and episode releases. The views and comments expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the ACA Council on Nutrition or the American Chiropractic Association.